Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Brendan Escott in the big chair today, Cam Moon, the co-pilot. It is, uh, well, it's Oilers now in between games two and three. The Oilers jumping on the plane soon this afternoon and will be heading down to the city of Angels, which is where we're going momentarily, but not before I tell you. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It is the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell uh, Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. Um, yeah, let's do it, Mooner. This man right. stepped up at the 11th hour for us. He has uh, been covering the Los Angeles Kings for quite some time. He's on his own right now. John Rosen joining the show once again. John, I believe we've had you on before, but perhaps not for some time. So I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. How's it going? Well, that's great. Always a pleasure to come on. Easy flight getting back to Los Angeles. And uh, as uh, I was sharing with Mooner yesterday, uh, very, very easy to sleep on these early flights, these 6 a.m. flights. We're both Western Hockey League veterans. We've spent a lot of time on the bus, so uh, very easy to fall asleep uh, in our seats. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I heard you had the, uh, not quite the red eye, but certainly uh, I, I hope you got some shut eye on your early flight this morning. It worked out. Um, man, I got to ask you from the outsider's perspective, John, just tell me what it was like being in Rogers Place in the Canadian market with fans going nuts, the pom-poms were out. What was your experience like for those first two games? It was, you know, as expected. I, I love Edmonton as a, as a sports city. Uh, out of any in Western Canada, I've been to, been to Edmonton so many times and see it as a place where no matter where you are, uh, whether you're downtown, whether you're in the suburbs, whether you're outside of the city, I, Alberta and Edmonton, it is the Oilers that is front and center, and that's not always the case everywhere else. Um, you know, I was uh, fortunate to be working for uh, NHL Network over the summer during World Junior Championship, so I would, you know, just compare it on a larger scale to when, you know, when Canada won, uh, won gold, the gold medal uh, over the summer. And it, even down to listening to Todd McClellan's press conference and hearing the Let's Go Oilers chants outside, I remember being in that exact same room uh, when Dave Cameron was uh, was answering questions, uh, you know, about uh, nine months ago. So uh, always special to be in Canada in great Canadian moments. But, uh, of course, good series on hand, uh, and it's uh, fitting. Uh, tied series heading back to Los Angeles. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, John, you get to watch this Kings team a lot. Uh, after the first two games, just your thoughts on the way they've played so far in this series. Very poor starts, even to the extent that yesterday, it, it, I mean, they were hardly even forechecking. They really settled so far back into that 1-3-1. I'm not sure if that was uh, intended or if it was just to make sure that they weren't giving too much spaces, uh, you know, to the superstars uh, that Edmonton has. But uh, something that the Kings have, and they showed it in both of these games, is just a real patience. Uh, and an ability to stick with things, not cheat. Um, I know that every team will will say that and use those buzzwords, but these players, uh, Andre Kopitar is their captain. And Andre Kopitar played uh, and won two Stanley Cups for Daryl Sutter. And if there were things to be said about those teams, aside from how heavy they were and direct, um, well-led that they were, of course, you know, kept the puck out of their own net. Um, they were very, very patient teams that that – 
would allow the game to develop again that didn't take those shortcuts towards victory. Uh, and I think you saw that uh, in Edmonton. So just like the persona of their captain and, and somebody that also kind of learned that uh, through osmosis from Daryl too, I think there's a real intelligence in the way that they play their game. Uh, the question that I have right now is whether it's going to be Jonas Corpus Salo going back into goal because you know, there was a third period goal. Great shot by Clint Christine going against him, but if you look at this LA Kings team, uh, you know, their rhythm in the regular season, this would be a Phoenix Copley start coming up. So we'll see if uh, Todd McClellan decides to go in that direction. Now, I, that's an interesting one. That's that's an interesting nugget there, John, because he was somebody that we were talking about whether he would start game one. What do you think was the ultimate deciding factor there in, in why Corpusala was, was given the nod? Simply, you, you paid the asset at the deadline, he's the guy to go with? Uh, yeah, it, Todd had cited his uh, the fact that he had done what he had done in the bubble, uh, going up against Toronto while while a member uh, with of Columbus, um, and you know, the Tampa Bay series. He said that it was uh, partly due just to the fact that he has earned an upset in the uh, NHL. That made my ears perk up a little bit um, against uh, very high-skill players. Um, But again, Todd has also said that we are very comfortable with both of our goaltenders. And the Kings, I mean, geez, there was a time where, uh, you know, there were 21 wins and only three regulation losses uh, for Phoenix Copley this season. So the team feels very comfortable in front of him. He was the Master Tin nominee by the uh, by the LA writers. So this is going to be uh, an interesting decision. So you know you have two goaltenders. It always adds a little bit of a wrinkle for coaches to have to uh, decision that they have to make. And that's, there's one coming up right now for the Kings. Gabriel Velarde gets back into the lineup was out with injury I missed the last nine games of the regular season scores a goal last night he had 23 on the year it looks like his development is is really moving in the right direction here how much does he add to this team John getting getting Velarde back you know he's he's been a good player even when he hasn't been scoring goals for this team. Um, you know this wasn't something that maybe was uh, uh, picked up on or developed in the first half of the season when he was scoring more frequently. He shot right out of the gates at a terrific October and November. But over the course of the year, and he did deal with his upper body injury. He is he's still somebody that is uh, he and Blake Lazard are two of the better penalty killing or I should say uh, penalty drawing players in the National Hockey League I believe Velarde ranks ninth in the league and uh, Lazard 11th in uh, minor penalties drawn per 60 minutes so they put their teams in in advantageous situations they hand off good shifts one to the other and Velarde when his game's going back on and he he struggled in that first period like a lot of Kings did last night getting the legs going in the pace of the playoff hockey Um, but once he does he's he's not fast he's not a fast skater but he's got some good quick feet along the boards and has a very good competitive motor that allows him to win battles. And that's how he draws his penalties. So when he's rolling, uh, you know, he can still, he can, he can beat you anywhere on the power play, but he's also an effective player out along the boards and is doing other responsible things that help his team win.
Chatting right now with John Rosen. He's the founder of the Forum Report. You can find his most recent work there. A longtime Kings reporter as well. Um, I got to ask you now with the opportunity for Todd McClellan to line match, John, we didn't really see, uh, I, I guess how I'll phrase this is, it looks like the coaches are happy just rolling out the line matches the way they were uh, for the first two games. I see Kopitar's up there with four points, but he's been the one match with Dreisaitl who's kind of torn things up. Conversely, Deneau's done an incredible job against McDavid so far. So uh, can you see where they might try and, and uh, line match a little differently, or do you get the sense that McClellan's happy with where things are at right now? I think he's happy with where they're at. Late in the season, I took a you know a look at where how each coach wanted to really um, match up against each other, and it, it, it's what, what it was, what you generally saw last year, where uh, it would be generally more of Deneau uh, when the Kings were on the road, perhaps some Kopitar back at home. But you know, I think that McClellan sees the – he wants to see a saw off of the top two lines, and then which would put the, uh, the Lizotte and Villardi line with Ayafalo on the left – uh, give them an opportunity, give them some offensive zone starts. That group, uh, when they played together, outscored. Kings outscored their opponents 8-1 uh, to one at 5-on-5 five five play, had a very high expected goals percentage. There was good chemistry there. So that's something, if they have the opportunity to get an offensive zone start against uh, uh, you know a, a, a depth uh, Oilers line, that's something that they'll attempt. But uh, one of the stories of last night's game is that with only, you know, really – three centers logging the heaviest minutes, the Rasmus-Kupari line really struggled, especially in that first period against uh, Leon Dreisaitl when he was skating with uh, you know with Derek Ryan. Um, so that's going to be a challenge. He'll be called upon to uh, improve his game. Um, but otherwise, you're seeing what the Kings have generally done against the Oilers. Guys like Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty have, have been effective in doing whatever you possibly can to limit, and it's basically impossible, uh, you know, the superstars on Edmonton's lineup. Yeah, I w- and I would say, I know Connor McDavid's only sitting at an assist through the first two games, but he has yeah. definitely generated opportunities, and, and you would think that over the course of the series, he'll certainly get his points. John, the guy that uh, that it has intrigued me all season, but even as it goes on, I just see him getting better and better, is Quinton Byfield. And we spent some time in the American League this year, and he's you know getting this great opportunity playing with uh, Kopitar and Kempe. And, and he hasn't put up like huge numbers this year, but I see a really good player there. Uh, how has his development, you know, continued to progress here? I think he said it really well. I mean, that's what we're all seeing. Uh, they have had good line offense. That line. Adrian Kempe had 41 goals. Andre Kopitar statistically had a year that's in the kind of upper half of his scoring season uh, at the age of 35 years old. So that was accelerated when he joined that line, of course. And that becomes the question of, you know, is that his permanent spot? They drafted him second overall. When you draft someone second, it's better to have somebody who can slot down the middle and is going to score you 20, 30 goals a season. If you get somebody who's a playmaker on the wing, you can find those types of players 15th, whatever, in the draft, you know, much, much lower down in that first round. So that's a question for later on. But he has a really good ability, and you saw this in Jeff Carter when he played for the Kings, uh, somebody who also had that stride, that reach. He, he gets into 30-70 battles 
46, bat- 40, 60 battles, and he comes away with the puck. Um, a lot of good fundamental things that he does. He just hasn't really put it into concert, and there's a question of whether he's going to be a goal scorer right now, um, which I think is something that affects him, and it does make him think just a little bit. But um, really responsible, a great back checker, like a valuable player in the way that Todd McClellan plays, responsible. I mean, it's, it's what we've been saying a lot this year. He's just got to you know, start scoring goals, and he'll always be compared to Tim Stutzla, but uh, as some of the you know, Kings uh, wisecrackers uh, over the last couple of days have said, Quinton Byfield, one playoff point, and Tim Stutzla has zero. So, uh, lots to build on there. <laughs> he, um, he didn't play as much as I thought he did, as I'm just looking at the time on ice here, John. Only 13 and a half minutes, just under that. But six hits, he was in most of the scrums that I saw out there on the ice. So, a player that was really engaged, and I'm glad that Cam brought that up, because if he didn't, I was going to. That's how noticeable Quinton Byfield has been, uh, in my estimation. Um, let me get a thought from you on uh, on Vladislav Gavrikov because he was somebody that Edmonton was was linked to for a long time throughout the first portion of the season. Is he the type of guy they would go at at the deadline? What has his addition been to the LA Kings? And likewise, too, the Kings uh, were also looking at a package deal as well with Nashville that would have brought in uh, Ekholm as well. But that was something that, given the salary cap constraints in, in future seasons, would have been a lot more difficult for the Kings to pull off. Um, but he is a ever since he has uh, joined Matt Roy, uh, left side of Matt Roy, that's essentially been another top defensive pairing for the King. Uh, he, he was somebody that won a gold medal with uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia team back in 2018 um, when there were several players that then stepped up into major national hockey league roles. And at that time, I want to say he was 24 years old, 23 years old when he was playing there. And at the end, I mean, he was on the ice. Um, you know, when, when Kirill Kaprizov, uh, you know, had, had scored the game-winning goal, the, the gold medal clinching goal, uh, and it's somebody that when he came over, if he were playing in a market, uh, you know, like, like a Canadian market, like a Toronto, like a Chicago, or, you know, like a New York, that he would be getting recognized as one of the better two-way defensemen in the league. But playing in Columbus, it's not only the lack of attention that he gets, but just the fact that Columbus this year was so miserable um, that his numbers and the metrics, the secondary uh, metrics, when, when you were paying attention and you were trying to get to the root of what was going on in Columbus, it didn't paint the, the rosiest picture of him. So um, he, he's always been a, a good two-way guy. He was a uh, acquired to be a left side guy because the Kings had an imbalance there, but he's turned out to be somebody that can also provide a little bit of offense too. So they've been very happy with him. And now Drew Doughty is trying to recruit him to sign a contract at an extension. Todd McClellan said, well, maybe Drew should uh, offer him some of his salary. We'll see if that works uh, as a joke. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if they're going to have the money to be able to resign him, but clearly a guy that they feel comfortable in all situations rolling out, uh, you know, over 20 minutes a game. John, give us a sense of of what the atmosphere is like in Los Angeles for the Kings right now. You know what it's like in Edmonton. You were here for the first two games. You saw what it was like out on the street after the game uh, outside the Hall of Fame room and how loud it was and how loud the building was. But I I know the, the, the Lakers and the Clippers, they're still playing, and that does affect this series as far as Game 5 to Game 6. But as far as the Kings... 
in Los Angeles, what's the feeling like behind this team? It'll pick up in a little bit. It's just so different. And when you look at the rivalry here, L.A. and Edmonton, it's always there's always been a culture war. I don't want to say it like war, but but a culture kind of identity driven rivalry as well. The Kings have played more playoff games than Ed, against Edmonton than any other team in the National Hockey League, and even the the identities of the teams. You look at Gretzky going from Edmonton to a large market to go and market the game and expand the game. There there has always been. I, I want to say it's. You're probably not saying it too eloquently right now, but the vision and the identity of hockey, whereas for Edmonton, it is part of the soul of the city. It is part of something that unifies everybody. Um, and where is in Los Angeles? That's not to take anything away from diehard Kings fans, but it's just for the Kings, there's, 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 there's like you said, there's the, the Lakers, the Clippers are going to be playing playoff games. The Kings are probably sixth, seventh, eighth most important team uh, in Los Angeles. So um, there will be a wonderful atmosphere of the game. And outside at LA Live, it'll just be like, uh, you know, the party outside in the Ice District. Um, it will be very similar. Um, and it'll be great. And I hope there's a good-natured uh, fans getting along, which shouldn't be uh, any problem. Always fun to have uh, friendly Edmontonians come down into Los Angeles. Um, but it'll be great. It'll just be confined a little bit more. You'll feel it around the rink as people commute in uh, on the game days. But uh, it, it's, it's very, very different from what you'll experience in Edmonton. John, thank you so much again for joining us on short notice. Enjoy the rest of the series, okay? I will. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, Brendan. That is uh, John Rosen, who uh, checked in. And his uh, his new project, I'll say you know him if you do know him from NHL.com, perhaps in the past. But uh, the Forum Report is uh, John Rosen's new site. You can find it on Google. I recommend you use that tool if you haven't discovered it yet. <laughs> I'll tell you as well, John's our headliner today, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. The best. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We're back with more, maybe even some of you on the Ashley Fine Floors text line when we return. Brendan Escott, Cam Moon with you this afternoon. We'll tell you that our top story today brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, whether it's heating or cooling you need. Get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. Series is tied at one, just like it was last year. It's identical as things shift down to Los Angeles. And I don't know. I, I just, is it, it's a situation right now where I think they're almost, they're almost in a better spot playing on the road. They set the franchise record for road wins and uh, in the regular season, that is. And it's, it's a team that I think, is able to box out a lot of the excess noise and frankly there's a lot of good that comes with playing at home but sometimes there's a lot of good that comes with being away from home as well so I'm very curious to see how the Oilers embrace that here in games three and four. They've been very comfortable playing on the road all season long and and the numbers definitely bear that out. You're right if if things go a little bit south for you in the playoffs at home and it gets quiet in the building, much like it did last oh, night yeah. at the end of the second period, that can cave in on you a little bit. And when you're on the road, you never deal with that. You just you just deal with you against the world. That's how it feels 
when you're when you're on the road and the and the buildings, you know, for the most part, completely against you. So, yeah, I, I think the Oilers have been very comfortable on the road all season. I can't see why that would be any different here in the playoffs. Uh, Oilers now injury report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, Matthias Janmark, well, he'll probably make the trip, Cam, but he will not be playing. You were pretty sure. There's been some reports out there that this is going to cost him the rest of the series, but the team won't commit to yeah. that. It's the playoffs. Don't expect them to commit to anything. You're not going to know. So uh, that's about as uh, <laughs> declouded as I can get this for you. I'm sure he'll be with the team. Do I expect them to play in either of these next two games? Personally, I do not. But if I was the head coach, I wouldn't be telling my opponent that either. No, no, neither would I. But he's been, he's been such a... A valuable and solid player for the team because of his smarts. He's such a, a smart player. Uh, good on the PK. It's unfortunate that uh, he's out right now, but uh, you look at the, how it worked with the 11 and 7 last night, worked pretty well. Bob had talked about it earlier, really likes that 11 and 7 matchup against Los Angeles. So I wouldn't be surprised if the lineup is exactly the same tomorrow. Something else to consider. Bakersfield has their back up against the wall, down to one last game here unless they can beat Abbotsford, and then you wonder who might become available as a black ace. Anyway, we'll send it off to Evan Cook for a global news weather traffic update. Give us a call, 780-496-0063. We'll open it up in the next half hour. Brendan Escott, Cam Moon, with you today on Oilers Now.